what I want to do is I want you to turn to the book of Acts. And it's a moment in the church's history where things are happening. I mean, these simple people have been, uh, that, have, that, that Jesus is transformed. We know that the, the resurrection's already come. They're walking in resurrection power. They, it's, it's not by who they are, but it's by the power of God. It's not their persuasive words. But all of a sudden they see that they're just ordinary people. But they, the Bible says that, but they've been with Jesus. And it's something when you've been with Jesus, you're a different person on the inside than you were just being with yourself. Come on. I, you know, I've heard it said many times, say, you, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And I, I remember before I came to know the Lord, I had a lot of friends that had stupid written on their forehead. And I was just doing stupid things with them. And so this morning, if, if you turn with me to Acts chapter 17, verses 5 through 7. And what's happening is God is just moving in the church. And what happens is what happens when God starts doing really authentic things in people's lives. You ever notice that that religious people try to put a damper on it? Come on. I mean, when I was doing drugs, when I was partying, when I was thinking I was all that and, you know, in a bag of chips and all that other stuff, you know, you know, people weren't really that worried about me. But when I came to know Jesus, all of a sudden people go, man, you whoo. You've been brain. I remember I had one of my girlfriend when I broke up. She, you're being brainwashed. I go, well, if you knew it was in my brain, you're glad that God's washing it. And so what happened is, you know, it's like what happened is there's a stirring going on in this in, in this area. And what happens is uh, the, the Jews are coming and they're looking for these guys and these girls that are representing Jesus and, and just changing everything around. They can't find them. So they find a family. So let's just go. But the Jews becoming jealous and taking along some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob and set the city in an uproar and attacking the house of Jason. Because they couldn't find him, so they found a guy that represented him. They knew that Jason loved God, and they were seeking to bring them out to the people. When they did not find them, they began dragging Jason and some of the brethren and some of the people before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have have upset the world have come here also. Another another version of these men that have turned the world upside down have come here also. And it just says they've come here and Jason has welcomed them and they are acting contrary to the decrees of Caesar saying there is another king. And who's that other king? They're saying there's another king. His name's Jesus. You know, when you're a part of a vision that's bigger than you, you're willing to do whatever. Look, I, I believe this. I believe when you begin to see who God calls you to be, you can, you're willing to believe God can do anything. I just believe that. And see, I believe that when you begin to see who God really made you and who you really are and the assignment God gives you and the call of God on your life. Listen, I hope that every morning when you wake up, when the devil sees you get out of bed, he goes, oh, shoot, they're up again. Because all of a sudden we can be a threat to this world. See, it's not about just coming to church on Sunday. It's about you living this and walking this life every single day of your life, moment by moment of dependence upon God and what he can do. Because I know without God, I can do nothing. But with God, the Bible promises that we can do anything. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. You see, it doesn't matter your gifting. It doesn't matter what side of the bayou you're from. You could be on the north side of the Mermintal or, or, or you can be on the south side. I don't care what family you're from. I don't care. God doesn't look at it things that way. He sees the call and the gift that's on your life. And he will to do something with your life say 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 this we say give me some of that oh come on i've seen y'all at parties and stuff come on say give me some of that y'all more excited about mardi gras than y'all were this are this morning and so but, but see think about that statement these people who have upside these people these men who have upset upset the world or turned the world upside down have come here also see the only time you can make a stand for something is when something is bigger than you you ever get in a fight and you had your big brother or big sister and you, 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 you can come on, come on. You think you all that? Come on. You making sure they're behind you. You know what I mean? But that's how the, the enemy comes to taunt you, to tell you who you are, because see, we all fight three things in this world. You know what they are? We fight ourselves, the lies that we believe from wounds and hurts that have maybe been in our lives or people, things that, that we get pre-recorded and recorded over again and again in our minds. And we have the devil, and then we have our culture of the world. And most of the time, the devil doesn't need, uh, you know, to show up. He just lets us believe our own lies. 
Because see, the, the enemy is so afraid for you, for you to find out who you really are in Christ. That he wants you to listen to the lies that he forms in your mind and in your, in, in your spirit, in your heart. And you can't get beyond the lies. And this, this morning, I want to talk to you about getting beyond the lies and seeing who you are. So this isn't, this isn't just a word just to the church. This is a word for you as an individual this morning. Isn't it amazing that we can come to God and we can ask him for all these healings and all these things? And that's a good thing. But when's the last time you wanted to come to God and say, God, how can I just bless you? What can I do for you? God, what's on your heart? But see, it never happens until you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that's what those people in this time didn't understand. They didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. They hadn't met the face behind the voice that guided them. Are you hearing me? It doesn't matter if you see the face. It's a matter if you're listening to the voice. One day when we leave this earth, we'll match the face behind the voice that guided us and directed us while we're here on this earth. And see, God this morning wants to infuse power and strength and courage into every one of us. But you've got to be willing. See, the enemy's assignment is to get you to get your eyes on yourself rather than get your eyes on him. Because when you get your eyes on him, all of a sudden you don't just pray for yourself. You don't just pray that you get well. You all of a sudden you see you have a burden and heart for other people around you does that make sense and church is not about you know well you know i just me and my little holy club and all that stuff it's not about that it's about us when we get out those doors and we go you know what i have to live this life it's not one thing you know it's i i wish we could see sometimes what people look like if we had a spiritual indicator where that exit thing is and it said what your spirit really looked like registering one through ten and how your walk with God has been all week. You know what I'm saying? There'd be a lot of people, you know, I mean, but if you put them in a little x-ray, little spiritual x-ray machine, and it showed, and some of you would have a spirit that said, it'd be like an Ethiopian poster child with flies on it, going, feed me with this little bowl. But, but what happens is, you, many of you wouldn't come in, a little Lord touch me, family, they'll help me for, okay. And I'm not here to get on you, but here it is. it's about a relationship that you and I develop over time. How many of you know that not one person in here is perfect? How many of you know there's, hey look, there's only one perfect man and they put him on the cross. And see, this morning, what I want to do is think about the statement. You know, the, the, the men that are that upside the world, that have upset the world are here. What is your vision for your life? So you'll never know your vision until you get with God. It's like your children. You start telling them what you want them to become. You tell them what you believe they are, right? They go, hey, man, you're awesome. You're incredible. You know what? You're going to do great things. You tell them when you're with them, you begin to speak truth into their heart. And they get discouraged. You pick them up. As a parent, my responsibility as a father is that I lead my, I, I, I lead my family well. I'm supposed to be a warrior. And a warrior isn't someone that goes out to the battlefield all the time. A real warrior. See, you know what? Why, you go out, why we go to war? It's not what's in front of you. It's what's behind you. That's what really matters. It's your family, your wife, your children, the provision, the protection they need. And see, I believe that what is your vision for your life? Is it bigger than you? See, the men and women at Acts believed in the vision of Jesus so much that they were willing to lose their lives in order to win others. What does that mean? Listen, is what you're living for worth dying for right now? Is it? I love seeing soldiers and their patriotism and for our country and they're willing to lay down their life. They know when they go to battle, you know, and I think about that sometimes and I've never been in a, I've never been a soldier, but I I have guys that have, that are, that are, they're veterans that are soldiers in our churches. And the thing that I love about them, they know the risk, but as a Christian, you know, it's like, do you know the risk when you really go to war? The enemy's going to make you a target. Well, that's why I can't get radical. I'm not talking about get radical. I'm just talking about getting real. You see, I, I believe this. The kingship of Jesus is unlike any of the other rulers in the whole world. Because what, hap- what happened during this time, everybody would go around, cause Jer- around Jerusalem and where they were, it was all part of the Roman Empire. And what they would do is they would hail Caesar. They'd go, Caesar's Lord. You've seen the movies. Caesar's Lord. And what Christians would do is go, Jesus is Lord. And so if you rebelled against that, 
They would throw you in the lion's pit. You know, in the first 150 years of Christianity, that over, that over 6 million people were killed in a lion's den? In a lion's pit or persecuted and killed for their stand just to say that Jesus is Lord? Aren't you glad for the freedoms that we have? No one's knocking at your door going, hey, I heard y'all got a Bible club. Y'all got a Bible study going on in here. We're going to shut it down. But what happened is when the Christians would come and, the, and they would throw them in the Colosseums and what the Christians would do, literally, they would feed their children to the lions first. People go, how that's sad, that's sick. How could they do that? Because when they released the lions, they were the hungriest. Then they'd kill the children instantly. And after they would eat the children, they would come and find the parent and they'd just play with them and they would be tortured and it would be a long death. You see, what they were living for was worth dying for. What gets you upset? It's getting quiet in here. I haven't even started the message. But see, I believe this. He, Jesus conquers and God's kingdom runs different than men's kingdom. God's kingdom conquers through ambassadors, not armies. That means we represent. You know, you represent something. Say, I represent. Let me ask you something. What you advertising this week? What you advertising for the week to come? You know, sometimes our gesture says a lot about us. Sometimes the way we respond, people are watching. Don't you know that? If you've made a stand to say that you're a Christian at work, people are watching you. And they'll remind you when you make a mistake. Because there's five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then there's you. Most people don't read the first four, but people will always read us. Amen? And so here's the thing. He conquers through ambassadors. And Jesus is God's weapons are truth and love. You know, how many of you like the truth? You know, if you have someone come, hey, man, I got to tell you the truth. It's going to hurt, but it's the truth. How many of you don't, you don't like it when they're first telling you it, but it's good for you? Amen? Are y'all with me? And see, well, sometimes it's, it's kind of like that. Your mom would give you cod liver oil. When I was a kid, we'd have to get take cod liver oil, and it was sick. It was tasted terrible. Because back in the day, man, my mom, they used to deworm them. And this is the way they'd worm us. Come on. And we'd get cod liver. And I remember it was, just, it was bad, but the truth is, if you don't take this, you're going to get sick. You're going to do all this. And, you know, you oh. You know, you kind of take it and you wait, wait, and wait for your mom to leave. And you go outside and you go, you know, I mean, just whatever you could do. But the truth was, it would help you. You see, love. You know what the gospel, you know what the father does? He wins us through his love. God loved us that he demonstrated his love while Christ was on the cross. And he just didn't stay on the cross but he conquered hell, death, and the grave so there would be no power over you, no influence that could overcome you, but the love of God would be the greatest force in the universe. God's love, that he loved you and me so much that he said, you know, you're not going to be powerless. It's not by your words are going to get you out of anything. It's when you lean on me, when the winds of adversity, when storms come and you lean on me, then you'll be strong. Amen. I've never seen the scripture says you will be strong in your own strength. And see, he brings, you know what? He brings men peace and love, turning things upside down. He conquers through the cross and he died for us when we were lost and he even died for his enemies. Think about that. Every moment in history started with people thinking outside of themselves. You know, my parents were hippies. They weren't hippies, but they grew up in this. They, they started having us, you know, they were the 60s kids. And what you remember that? I remember my grandfather, you know, back in the 60s when, I mean, the only time my grandfather ever said Jesus and God was when you left the door open, the air conditioner was getting out, or if there was something he just didn't understand. You know what I mean? That's the only time I ever heard Jesus Christ or God. And what happened is I remember we we're driving down Nelson Road before it was what it is today in Lake Charles. And my grandfather goes, my God, my God, you can't tell girls from boys anymore. Because there was a hippie guy on the side of the road with bell bottom jeans. You remember bell bottoms anyway? And he had, bell, and he had a long ponytail. My grandfather goes, my God, you can't tell boys from girls. What the world coming to? Boy, if he could wake up. 
And, you know, and hippies, they, they were nonconformists. They were anti-establishment. And they had a vision to change the culture. They, they, they shared everything. They shared their cars. They shared their motorcycles. They shared their bicycles. They shared their houses. They shared their girlfriends and their boyfriends. They shared everything. But what happened is they didn't hold back their feelings. If it felt good, they did it. They had a vision to bring change. They wanted love and peace to change everything. And now we look at the millennials. Come on, that was the 60s, but now we have the millennials, okay? They go around in skinny jeans and flannel shirts. Not only that, they're materialistic. They're not satisfied. They got to have, they got to they, they, they have it. This generation always, always wants more, 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 and willing to go crazy in debt to get it. What do you mean, Pastor? See, we have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, and it displays the best parts of life, but not the real life. It's fake life. You know, we always want to show the good moments. Oh, I got this, and we did this, and wow, they look at I got to post that one, man. That's good, you know? But it don't show the arguments you're having with your wife. They don't show when your boss said something at you or something. You might want to make a comment on Twitter, but if he finds out, he may fire you. How many are talking about? You see, because all of that is fake, it's a plastic culture. This is all, but see, this always leads to uprising. You know what uprising brings? You know what people want when they uprise? Look at me. You know what they want? They want authenticity. They want something that is real. Remember Coke used to go, it's the real thing. That used to be the commercial. It's the real thing. You see, I believe this. I want to say this. The world has a vision for your life. Culture has a vision for your life. Are you living a God vision or are you living American dream vision? Because that's, it's going to fade. I believe this. Most McDonald's and Walmarts have more vision for their community than people do for the kingdom of God. Don't shout me down when I say something good. You see, how, how do we get a God-sized vision to change the world in our world? I love coming to Eunice because you always ask me good questions. So here's the first point. Number one, if you want to take notes, if you want to look at it, whatever. First point is God calls you. God is looking for people who will seek him. Question, are you seeking him? You come sit in church and be critical. But let me tell you, if you're critical of everything you see and everything that walks by or everything you see that could be different or changed, listen to me. You're just going to you're going to eat the fruits of your criticalness down the road in your life. Amen. Isn't it amazing that we can be so critical, but we become hypocritical in our criticalness? I don't want to go around being a critic. I don't want my kids to remember. My dad was so critical. He saw this. He said, that, you know what? Why don't you use a little self-control and say, you know what? How can I get better instead of getting critical? You see, when you look at this, you know, God calls you. God's looking for someone who's going to seek him. Romans says this. No one is truly wise. No one is seeking God. You remember that when you weren't seeking God? But God started using situations and friendships and things in your life, uh, happenings in your life. And all of a sudden, your eyes begin to be, get open and you begin to see things that you never saw before. You begin to feel things you never felt before because God was tenderizing your heart. All of a sudden, he was giving you Jesus contact lenses. The scales were beginning to fall off. Then you were beginning to see things like Jesus wanted you to see the world and see things around you. And seeing how people were living their lives. Am I in the right church? See, Psalms 53 says it like this. God looks down from heaven on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise. If anyone seeks God. But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. No one does good. Not a single one. Let me, let, let me do a survey. Look at me. I want to see the whites of your eyes. How many of you blew it this week at least once? Come on. How many did you go to Lafayette, go down to Ambassador Caffrey, and you just let everybody know what you thought, and you gave them peace symbols? Anyway, stop. Don't raise your hand. How many of you just someone got up in your life, in your grill, and you didn't like how they did something or said something? Are you know what I'm talking about? Truth is, when God wants to use a person, he calls them. It's our job simply just to answer the call when he calls. What does that look like, Bob? Pastor Bob, listen to me. Let me just say something. Let me, let me just. How many of you know that sometimes you can get a phone call and it's a fact about your life? You have cancer or you have bone disease or you have this. 
or, or you know what, your child is this. And when I think about little Gracie, who we're praying for, is actually my grandson's teacher. That's her daughter. Okay? And so I found out through, we were having a pastor's uh, staff meeting, and Pastor Zach was talking, telling us about Gracie. And then Jamie goes, well, their family goes to the Eunice Church. And we started going, and we just stopped, and we prayed for Gracie. Here's the thing. The truth is, she does have cancer. Okay, that's a fact. Okay, that's a fact. But the truth is God can touch her and work a miracle. How many of you know that there could be facts, but truth outweighs the facts? That's the kind of gospel that we have. It's a powerful gospel. It's not by words, but it's by demonstration of God's power. Are you hearing me? I'm standing up here. I fought cancer for five years. I am cancer free. I had stage four cancer. The facts were if you do this and this and this. And I did, I did some of the medical things you do. I'm not preaching against medicine or some things you can do. And, and the lifestyle changes you need to make sometimes, I'm not against all that. But I, I, in the midst of all that, I said, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you. Because you know what? I believe if you can save me and you gave me a vision for my life, and this is just kind of like an interrupt. This is a storm. You see, I believe this. When you understand God's called you, you can go through a storm and be confident. The Bible says he never leaves you and he never forsakes you. He said, lo, I'm with you. And that's a promise for all of sharp people. Lo, I'm with you. You see, when, when you respond to the call of God, you can face all kinds of difficulties. You know, just recently... Not, yeah, I like to hunt. That's what I like to do. That's kind of like my place where I go and I guide people in hunts and goose hunts and things like that. And I remember I had Phil McDaniel, who's a good friend, goes to our Crowley Church. He's a champion caller. And I had my son, Luke, and we had a bad storm come through. And, and Phil, I know you're listening to the podcast because he listens to all the podcasts. He's in Texas right now. And we had a storm coming. And, and we saw it, and we, so we got all our rain gear on, and it started raining, and Phil didn't have a rain jacket. But I had a jacket for me, and I had a jacket for Luke, because if I didn't have one for Luke, Tracy was going to get on me, okay? She makes you take care of my boy, you know? And so I took care of her boy, and I'm taking care of her big boy. And then we're in the storm comes, and I'm, when I'm talking about it's a gully, it's a full-on storm. And we had nothing better to do on a Saturday, so he was like, hey, man, listen, when he, so we, Phil and I started talking to Luke. said, you know what? Sometimes the birds fly better after the storm comes through. And so where we are, and we couldn't, and Phil was getting wet. And I finally found a decoy bag that was waterproof. So he put a decoy bag over himself, and he's just standing there. And we're all waiting. We're just, I mean, the rain's coming. It's a, I mean, it's one of those, you know, and your gun, you feel like your gun's a lightning rod. So you're kind of just, you know, your water's coming out of your gun, all that. And you're just sitting there and we're just, sit, just waiting for the storm to come through. Because we're thinking, man, there's a harvest on the other side. And you know what? I'll just say this. After the storm came through, we joined Ducks Unlimited. That's all I got to say. We just had a great time. We had a great hunt. We got a rare bird out of it and all these different things. But. Right? <coughs> Excuse me. Why are you saying that, Pastor Bubba? You know why I'm saying that? It's because you never know. You're in a storm right now. You may be in a life storm, but let me just encourage you. Your harvest is on the other side of the storm. It is. Sometimes on the other side, God's waiting to do great things. I love when I read the Bible and Jesus said he went to the other side of the lake. And there was a naked boy waiting there. That it was, he had filled with demons. And yet when he went to the other side, that boy was delivered and changed. When God went to the other side of the town, when he went to the other side of the street, and he saw that woman that had the issue of blood, but he called her out. He said, man, who touched me? He called her. How about little Brian Bartimaeus, Brian Bart? He was like, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he said, who's calling me? See, I believe this. God calls you no matter where you're at, no matter where you've been, no matter who you are, no matter what people have said about you. When God calls you, he's calling you to come up to him. 
You see, I love this scripture. It's my life scripture because the reason it's my life scripture in John 15, it's really 15, 16, but it's 15, 15, 15 to 15, 17. It's because my grandmother used to call me at five o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning. She'd quote the scripture to me. And if we would have had cell phones when I when that was that was a long time ago, almost 37 years ago, we had it seven. If we would have had cell phones, when it had, you know, our cell phone has tells you who's calling you. So I could have looked at it and go, I ain't picking that up. But remember old phones? You didn't know who they were until they had caller ID. You know what I'm saying? But then you look at it and go, ah, that takes too long. But she said, read this to me. She says, you did not choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. Remember, God has chosen you. He's called you. Are y'all with me? You say, I don't feel qualified, Pastor Bubble. That leads me to the second point. God qualifies you. You see, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Well, I don't have all this. And so what? I mean, come, come on. Think about it. When Jesus was picking up the disciples, picking them out. That's like pulling up in the Cameron or Delcom or Homa or Galliano or wherever you want to be in Louisiana. And he says, hey, you guys, hey, my Lord, what you want? I'm going to get up in your boat. And they go, and, and, and think about it. That's the kind of guys they were. Think about it. My grandfather was a shrimper in Cameron. So I understand. That's hard work. Simple people. And that's the kind of people God was using. They said, remember what the Bible says in the scripture in Acts? It says, they're unlearned or they're uneducated. But the one thing they recognized, they had been with Jesus. They'd been with him. You see, I believe this. God qualifies. Think about God calls Moses, a guy that murders someone, thinks he's going to deliver and all this stuff. We know. And then he gets to the point, remember when he he, finally they're coming out, all the plagues, everything, and they're standing at the Red Sea. And if they're standing at the Red Sea, God says, go to the other side. Now, but there's a, there's a Red Sea. Come on. How many of you know that is a problem? You ever had that where God tells you to do something? You go, well, God, there's a problem here. What is it? It's called the Red Sea. I don't know what your Red Sea is, but he had a real sea in front of him. And God told him to do what he told him. I heard one guy who was trying to be critical. Yeah, but, you know, I did a study. I said, you know, uh, back in the days, you know, that was in the, the dry season. And, and they only had a foot of water in the Red Sea. So it was easy for them just to walk across. So I'm thinking, well, praise God. God. God drowned the whole Egyptian army with a foot of water. That's even a greater miracle. First Corinthians says, remember, dear brothers and sisters, that a few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. The Bible says, in other words, he said, God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. Do you know you want? Do you want to be qualified? Let me read what it says. Matthew 16. This is Jesus. Jesus is revolutionary. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if you want to come, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Or in other words, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Follow me remains the invitation. And what you lose can't possibly compare to what you'll find. So he says, deny yourself. What does that look like? We have nothing to give God but ourselves. And let me just say that I believe not only do we need to give God ourselves, but sometimes we need to forgive others so we can give God ourselves. How many of you know that we've all experienced pain? How many of you we've all been told we're whatever? How many of you have been taken advantage of, used, hurt, 
by other people. Welcome to the club. But I believe that every one of us need to start our own ministry. It's called release. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? If you don't become, if you, if you don't become what you, listen, if you don't, you become what you hold on to. And your unforgiveness. You retain what you don't release. It's called letting go ministries. Let it go. But pastor, you don't know what they said. You don't know what they did. You don't know how they treated me. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they took advantage. No, I don't. But God was, God does. This is how sins are passed down from one generation to the next. How many have heard of generational curses? I preached this message last week in, in Jennings because I felt like it was a word for all of our churches, for individuals. And I was walking out. I was walking, fixing to go to the coffee shop. And there's a young guy in our church. And, and he actually had lost his son. Uh, one of his sons drowned 12 years ago in a gully. He was like less than two years old and he drowned in the gully. And I don't need to go on that. And he said, Pastor, I watched, the video, I watched that. And he said, I, when I started thinking about generational curses, I started thinking about my daddy and how angry he always was. And all of a sudden, I see that in me. A generational curse is something that's passed down, that's not dealt with, not forgiven. Are you with me? And then you become the very thing you despise that you said you would never be. The very thing that wounded you, you become the very thing that wounded you. Then that's what sin does. It brings you further than you ever wanted to go. Keeps you longer than you wanted to stay. And hang around people you never dreamed you'd ever hang around with. That's what it does. And see, what happens is in order to break that, you got to go. Listen, when I gave my, gave my life to Jesus, it wasn't, I didn't go to a class. I didn't go to something. God, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. Go make this right. You stole that. Go bring it back. You took advantage of that person. Go tell them you're sorry and really mean it. Go do this. Whatever you got to pay back, pay back. I have a friend of mine that that stole $7,000 worth of stuff from a a, a gas station when you used to could work at a gas station and change oil and do all the real things you do at a gas station. And the guy had helped him through high school and, and he got saved and he, God began to speak to him. I want you to go make things right. And he said, well, what? I don't know. I stole so much. God said, give him back $7,000. Now, this was like in 1971. So $7,000 multiplied by, I don't know, four or five. That's what it'd be like. And I remember he said, God spoke to him. He said, I don't want you to preach. I don't want you to say anything. I want you to give it back. And he went back. He'd worked. And it took him a while to work and get that. And he brought it back and he talked to the old guy. And he had helped many of the guys in his area in, the, in Oregon, where he was from, in Washington. And, and what happened is he came back to the old guy and he said, listen, Mr. Whatever your name. He said, you know, you gave me a job. And he said, man, Kurt, you, yeah, I remember you. You were, you were always a good worker. You always helped. He said, yeah, but I, I got to come to you today. I, I see, He said, I, I gave my life to God, and God started speaking to me about making things right with people. And, and I figured it out, and God told me I need to give this back to you. And it was $7,000. How many of you like to get $7,000 put in your hand? And all of a sudden, he goes, the, he said, the old man began to weep. I know all you kids stole things from me. I know how it is having teenagers work for you. He said, but you're the first guy that's ever come back. And he just began to get. And this is what the guy said. I want you to tell me more about this Jesus because it's the first time I've ever seen Jesus really touch someone. I want to know about the Jesus that touched you. That would speak to you about doing something like this. It's not words. It's demonstration. Are you hearing me? It's character. It's doing what God tells you to do. You see, he, he, he was on an adventure. It's denying yourself. 
You know, I, I know these two brothers that were from around this area, from Mowater and around, the, around this area and Eunice area. And they, they were very successful and they became very wealthy because they were farmers. And what they would do is they would share their equipment. When it was time to, to go out and plant the seed or get the soil ready, they had different implements and they would share them so they didn't have to buy them. So they would, they would help one another and they became very wealthy by sharing and giving and blessing. And people around them, they be, people began to recognize who they were and they said, man, these guys are awesome. But one day the little brother let someone say something to him about his older brother instead of verifying he believed it. So he cut off the canal that irrigated his brother's property. Instead of his brother going to his little brother and saying, why did you do that? He was offended and became angry. And so they stopped sharing. They stopped hanging out. They stopped borrowing from one another. This great relationship was broken. And one day, the older brother decides, you know what? I'm going to hire me a carpenter. So they hired a carpenter. And he said, look, I'm going out of town. When I get back, I want you to build a fence. Because when I come up, drive my driveway, I see my brother's house. I see his barn. I see his, I don't want to see it anymore. He makes me sick. I can't stand him. Just build me a fence. When I get back, I want it done. Okay. So he leaves. He goes out of town and he's driving down the road to get to his house. And he pulls up and he goes, what the heck is going on? There's no fence. Instead, this carpenter is on the ground, kind of kneeling down and he's nailing some planks into a bridge. And he goes, wait a minute. Did I tell you that I wanted a fence? He goes, yeah. Then why are you building a bridge? And about that moment, the younger brother came out and he saw the bridge that went over the the little coulee that was between him and the brother's house. And he said, man, I didn't know you wanted to build a bridge to come see me. He said, by the way, can you forgive me for the things that I did to cut off your irrigation? You wanted to build a bridge to me. And he started apologizing to everything he'd ever done. And the older brother looks at him and goes, man, I'm so sorry. I, I just let other people tell me things and I started believing things. And can you just, can you forgive me? Listen to me. Look at me. You know what God wants you to do? Instead of build fences with people, God wants you to build bridges to relationship. You know who the carpenter was? Jesus. Jesus is always about building bridges rather than building fences. Jesus said, he said, come, he said, deny yourself, deny yourself. Then he said this, take up your cross. What does that mean? See, be killing sin or sin be killing you. In other words, if you went to the cross, you never came back. Here's another, what, what, whatever darkness you subscribe to, look at me. Whatever darkness you subscribe to, you need to unsubscribe. Does that make sense? I don't need that, that thing. Unsubscribe. I don't need that. The cross wars against everything that compromises what God wants us to become and who God has called us to, to be. And the last thing he says now, and then when you do that, when you deny yourself, when you build bridges, when you take up the cross, deny, you know, forget about your own opinions, forget about your criticalness, thinking that you got it all together when you really don't. You got to come because I believe this. When you go to the Lord in a personal relationship, all of a sudden we begin to see how much more we need God. If you're going to make a difference in this world. So, So if you do that, now you're qualified to follow. Then you have no reservations. You have no regrets. You have no retreats. You just follow him. Am I making sense here this morning? There's something about eagles, and they have a lot of eagles that have been around South Louisiana lately. I don't know if you notice that. There's just a lot more than there used to be. But one thing an eagle does is they'll make a nest, and both the male and the female will t- take care of the babies. And once the chicks are hatched, in order what they want to do, and the chicks are getting bigger, and they know that it's about time for them to get... Get out of the nest. Well, you know what the eagles do? The adult eagles begin to take out. They make a big feather bed for these, e- these chicks to sleep in and lay upon. And what happens is the older they get, they start taking the feathers out. Because all of a sudden they begin to they go, you know what? We're going to make it a little more uncomfortable. 
You know, let me talk to your parents. Sometimes you need to make it a little more uncomfortable for your children to stay at home so they'll get out and learn responsibility for themselves. And all the parents said, okay, that didn't sound very enthusiastic. Well, my kids are sitting right next to me anyway. Because see, this is what happens. See, God calls you to the edge sometimes, and he says, hey, I want you to do this. And you go, I won't. I'm, I, 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 I'm not, I won't do that. God said, come on, come to the edge. Come to the edge. And he said, I can't come to the edge. God, you see all this stuff. I can't do this. Come on, come to the edge. God goes, no, no, no. And you look at him, but I'm afraid. You know, like, you know what I like about God? Sometimes you come to the edge and he'll push you. But the incredible thing about God is not only does he push you, but he gives you wings. Just like the eagles. You only learn to fly when you've been pushed out. See, he, he is a God who pushes, but he's a God who gives wings. And the last point, are y'all with me? The last point God invites us on a quest, a journey, an adventure. The greatest adventure is knowing God. The Bible says, fear the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. No one drives around the neighborhood and go, wow, baby, we need to buy that house. Look how beautiful that foundation is. But you know what? You better make sure you got a good foundation in South Louisiana. That's why they have foundational specialists. And as Christians, we should be foundational specialists because we're allowing God to build the foundation for us to stand on. Are you with me? Because, see, I believe this. What if the gospel is a call to adventure rather than simply a call to escape danger? What, what if God is just trying to get you into heaven? What if God isn't just trying to get you into heaven when you die, but he's trying to get heaven into you before you die? A man or a woman that has God, listen to me, you have everything. There's no life more exciting than the one that relies on God just to intervene and show up. I can't tell you how many times God called me to do something. And all of a sudden, he just, sh- and it was like, I just didn't know how it was going to happen. And he just showed up. Just showed up. I remember when J- Pastor Jamie came and Cheryl, they were living in Franklin, Louisiana. And God called him. He said, you know, God's called us to come help, help, help you. And God had spoken to Jamie, whatever Bubba needs, go help him do. And that's what he came to me. He said, whatever you need, Pastor Bubba. God showed up in Jamie, and God, Jamie had to show up and go, hey, I'm here to help. And now he's a pastor here in Eunice. Back then he had hair, and he was ministering to children. Amen? I just, I'm just blown away. What God's done in 17 years. You know, every week we have, about, we have over 1,000 people that meet in all three, camp, in all three of our campuses now. And the first service, we had 19 people, and most of them were my relatives, just to say, we're so happy for you. We ain't coming back, but we're here happy for you. And just what God does, God just shows up in moments you need him. How many know that? That's what he does. God shows up. I love my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in my favorite movie of all time is called Braveheart. It's a man movie. Women like it, too. It's kind of romantic because he's anyway. But one of the scenes is when young William Wallace is about 10 years old. And his dad and his brother had just been murdered by the tyrant Longshanks, who was the king of England. And here he was, and he's a 10-year-old boy, and he's, he's kind of raining. And he's sitting there standing over, standing next to his dad's grave. And this guy rides up on a white horse. And the guy goes, do you know who I am? He's 10. He goes, no. And the guy goes, I know who you are, William. I'm your uncle. And the next scene, they seem they're eating and they're eating like, you know, they're doing their slop and eating. And he's talking to him like a man talks to a boy. William. Did they do a proper burial for your daddy? 
Did they speak in Latin? Did you understand? One day you will understand. He goes, you're going to go with me. And he goes, I don't, I'm not going with you. He goes, did you want your daddy to die? No. Well, you're going with me. In the next scene, William's out there and he sees his dad's claymore sword. The big sword they have. It's called a claymore. And he sees it and he's holding it. His uncle Argyle comes to him. He says, William, before you use that, I've got to teach you to use this and this. And then one day, I will teach you to use this. Aren't you glad God helps you and matures you? Come on. That you, that's why it's so important. Listen to me. It's so important to get this in you. Because when I first got saved, I was like a, a guy with a wild sword. I was telling people, you know, I mean, I was telling them whatever. You know, man, to hell with you. That's where you're going if you don't change, turn, or burn. I mean, I was like, I was saying all this stuff. I mean, I was just excited. I didn't know how to use my sword. I didn't have a lot of wisdom. I was just had a lot of excitement. Because I used to be whatever, and God delivered me. I mean, literally delivered me. And I was like, man, I got to tell everybody, if your dog needed getting saved, I'd cast the devil out of him. I remember one time a dog attacked me when I just first got saved. And I turned around, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. The dog turned around, and he threw up. I go, man, that's power. <laughs> Woo! Hey, sometimes you need a little helper, starter kit for Jesus. You know what I mean? There's no life more exciting than the one that leans on God for a supply. Just this. Can I tell you something? God called me. God qualified me. And God's brought me on a journey. And I'm no different than you. And you're no different than me. Well, you're a preacher. That don't mean nothing. God's called you to make a difference in your world, where you're at, at your job, your business, your family. You may be the only one. Are you hearing me? You may be the only one. There's, there's one, let me just say, there's one that wants to come and be, play that significant role in your life to teach you, to love you, to initiate things in your life to validate you and say, you're awesome and turn your heart around and you let you loosen the world that you become dangerous for good. Look at me. I, I, I just really feel this and I just want to say it. Women, I don't know what people have called you. I don't know what men have called you, but I want to say this. If I'm the man I represent every man that ever hurt you, ever took advantage of you, ever did anything to you. I'm asking you to forgive them. I'm asking you. Why? Because you need to be released. I'm asking you, you need to release them so you can become what God has called you to be. To know your heart, to know who you are. I had my little 12-year-old girls. I had a birthday and... Everything else, and God's been speaking to me about her, and, and, and it's like she's beautiful, but I see more on the inside of her. And it's so important that the daddy name or a man names a woman. And I looked at her, and I, all, in front of all her friends, I just said this. I, I, just, I always pray for all my kids. I don't care what their friends think or whatever. They get giggly. And my, my kids, I just put my hands on her. Hey, I'm going to pray for Libby. And I just put my hands on her head, and I said, God, thank you. For this sweet, funny, awesome, incredible, gifted. And I just begin to name her. And I just begin to say, God, thank you. And me and her have a joke. One day I looked at her and said, but baby, we're talking about, you know, like people marry ugly people. And, you know, and I, she goes, and I go, but baby, what happened? What would happen if one day you, you like, you married an ugly man? She goes, she goes like this. She goes, with this face? Anyway, it ain't no ugly coming around here. And at the end of the prayer, I go, and with that face, somebody good looking coming around. But see, let me tell you something. I want to say this, ladies. 
when you walk down the check line and you see all the magazines and what you aren't and what you can't, real beauty is not what's on the outside only. It's what's on the inside. Are you hearing me? My wife is beautiful on the inside and on the outside. But the only way that I get to know her is I protect her and I ask her questions. What's going on? I, I ask her about her world. I'm learning. I'm not perfect. Are you hearing me? I'm not perfect by any means, but I'm trying. To, and guys, look at me. I'm not done. Guys, if your daddy never validated you and told you who you were and what you could become, would you forgive them? If I was him, just forgive. Because see, what happens is the world and the enemy wants to blind us by the wounds and the things that people said or did or, or the people that were influencing us. And see, God wants to come and he wants to take over. Are you mean? See, what happens is the gospel, there's a new king in town, a new sheriff. And he wants to come and he's going to act like a king. And he's going to say, give me that. You can't have wholeness until you give me that. Are you hearing me? And sometimes it takes years to process. Sometimes it takes, but you know what? Every time God shows you something, you just got to give it to you. Because the Bible says this, in my weakness, he's made strong. In my circumstance, whatever I came out of, God, you're made strong when I give it. The Bible says, cast your cares, come on, on him. Because what does it say? Because he cares for you. It's casting off the lies. God's called you to be a son, to be a starter. God qualifies you. Maybe some people in this world didn't qualify you, but you start hanging around with God and get a personal relationship with him. He begins to qualify you. He says, this is who you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. I'm going to treat you like that too. I know people that will, you don't know. They have a wrong understanding. I talked to a guy this week. And he said, you know, when, when my dad would call me in, he would beat me. So anytime authority would come around, I'd get afraid. Because of what would happen. He said, well, you don't need to fear me. You don't need to be afraid. The Bible says to go boldly. Says, you know, my kids, when they're little, they don't care who you are or who's around. You know what I'm saying? Daddy. If it was my son, Nathan, yes. Dad, I need, shh. But dad, I'm his daddy. You understand? Am I making sense? I'm in the right church with the right people. Then I want to pray for you. I want you to, I want you to know. I want to pray a couple things for you. And then I'm going to be done. I want to pray that you hear God's call for your life. I want you to pray that God begins to let you see clearly that he gives you Jesus contact lenses, that he begins to help you see that God wants you to see. He wants to, and that you would, you would allow the release of the freedom that Jesus brings. He purchased freedom from you, that you wouldn't have to live under the, the penalty of guilt and shame or the present allow sin to have its way. But he would give you freedom from all those things so he, you could become, you could be, you could be free to become what he wants you to be. Free to be more. To become who he really, truly has you to be. This isn't just a good deal for us. He gets what he wants. He gets back the desire of his heart. What he's fiercely after. You, his image bearer, his ambassador, his precious children. The chance to love you. To experience his love. To become driven by his call and his dreams for your life. That's what a personal relationship is. To restore you to him. And that's the enemy's greatest weapon. Is to get your eyes on all the circumstances. Rather than get your eyes on your father. 